0: Welcome to episode four of the Agree to Disagree podcast with Phil and Ethan, a weekly podcast on News Center Maine that will be coming up every day now
1: through election day. How are you doing this week, Phil? I am doing great. I can't believe it's episode number four. Has it really been a month since we started this? Wow. It has
0: indeed. And for those of you new to the podcast comes out every Thursday each week, we're gonna
1: give you an inside look on all
0: things that are happening in Maine politics.
1: This week we debate the extension of the COVID relief package and what each of us think should be in there on a poll showing Golden, Biden, and Gideon with solid leads and Sarah Gideon receiving $4 million from a pack set up after Susan Collins voted for Brett Kavanaugh.
0: And after that, we're going to play a little something that we like to call love it, hate it, or wake me when it's over. Uh, we're going to debate a little bit about the uh, $4 million pack. Uh, we're going to talk about Trump sending troops into American cities and the beginning of baseball season. Did you happen to notice right up here, Phil? I got my, uh, I got my <laughs> jersey right there. Huh?
1: Well, you go know who going this week, don't you? Uh, go Red Sox. <laughs> Plus a new edition this week called Nail It or Failed It, where one of us gets on the hot seat. Oh, baby, can't wait. All right, School Z, kick us off. As Speaker of the House, I solemnly and sadly open the debate. Congress is now doing its usual last-minute dance, negotiating an economic relief package, of course, at the last minute. Democrats want $3 trillion for states, for testing, families, the unemployed. Republicans want it trimmed back to $1 trillion. Strim, I have no doubt. You're in the $3 trillion camp. Tell me why and what specifically you want to see in the package. Uh, yeah, $3 trillion is what's needed in order to keep the American economy from
0: sinking even further back into the, res- deeper into this recession we're already in. We're dangerously close to actually getting to a depression. We can't allow that to happen. This kind of economic stimulus is key. So yes, I'm in the $3 trillion camp. It's pretty simple. $1 has got to go to state and local governments. We're seeing in the city, uh, in the state of Maine, one and a half billion dollar deficit at the state level. Then another trillion's gotta go to help the unemployed extend the $600. We'll talk about that plus making sure that people have uh, what they need to pay their rent so landlords don't have to foreclose. And then the last trillion needs to go towards beating back COVID, making sure that we can get the vaccine we need and that schools and everybody have the resources to keep themselves safe. So yeah, I'm in the $3 trillion camp and uh, hopefully Democrats will fight back
1: and get it through. You know, a a trillion here and a trillion there pretty soon, we're going to pile up an insurmountable responsibility to the next generation to pay back this money that we're borrowing. I think we have to be mindful as well that what do we do the next time there's some unexpected jolt to our uh, economy? Are we going to go borrowing our way out of the next uh, challenge that we face? I think we have to be very strategic and make sure that people have an incentive to work. Right now, I'm hearing from uh, clients of mine in the financial field that they got employees that don't want to come back to work because they're making more money staying at home. That's in nobody's best interest. I think it's time for the State of Maine to come back into session. The the budget woes that we're going to have to address were known months ago. One just has to look at how much tourism has dropped off, which impacts our revenues for fuel taxes and sales taxes and meals and lodging this this should uh, come as no surprise that we need to make some significant adjustments and borrowing more money to keep the status quo is not the path i believe is best for maine or america yeah but phil if we don't borrow the
0: money the economy is just going to start to collapse. The jobs aren't out there. People can't go to work yet. It's not safe. We shouldn't be asking people to go to work. We'd be derelict in our duty around the health of this country if we did that. These are the times when we need to borrow the money in order to keep our economy going. And that's 600 bucks. They have to keep it at that level. Too many people will be evicted from their homes if they don't. All right, Phil, a new poll is out from Colby College. It's showing Biden, Gideon, and Golden all winning by anywhere from 5 to 12 points. Phil, is this the great blue wave so many on my side of the aisle have been waiting for and so many
1: on your side have feared? And if not, why not? Well, uh, I I hope that you will take uh, great uh, comfort in in these polls because it's only July. It's a long ways off till November. And I think you're going to find that there is a tremendous amount of people who are not actively involved in sharing their opinions on social media who believe that uh, a blue wave brings Joe Biden to the presidency where he is trying to be more progressive than Bernie Sanders. And I think the more people learn about the policies that are part of his platform, the more people are going to say, you know what, Uh, Trump may not be, uh, you know, Mr. Congeniality, but he's focusing in on things that will get jobs back into America that will make America great again. And I think you're gonna see that these poles are gonna quickly um, tighten up and uh, it, it's gonna be a horse race. There's no question about it. It's not a shoe in for anyone, but I wouldn't take too much uh, comfort in those polls.
0: Yeah, look, it's very early. Certainly it will tighten up. I don't have any doubt about that, but I'll tell you what, I do think there is a lot of energy on my side of the aisle uh, and I'm feeling some, uh, some on your side of the aisle in which people are feeling a little discouraged, rightly so. Donald Trump's numbers are just plummeting. Uh, I do think Biden's going to win the state. I do think Golden's going to win his seat. And I do think that uh, Sarah Gideon's going to win hers, whether it will be by these margins. Obviously, it'll be only time will tell. But, you know, the president's handling of this economy has just left too many people desperate. And Susan Collins has simply refused to find a way to separate herself from Donald Trump. She continues to support this guy. And he is not popular in Maine just the same way he is not popular around the country. So uh, I think that these poll numbers are reflective of a real wave uh, that could be happening this fall.
1: Well, if, if you're right, that is going to send a very chilling message to the economy that has finally had a chance to recover before the COVID virus uh, descended upon us. And if you look at it from the bigger picture, Ethan, If if Susan Collins is defeated in November, that's just one seat that would change relative to what's already, um, you know, in office here in the state of Maine. And that's why I think you're seeing so much money come in from around the country for Sarah Gideon because we're a low population. We're an easy price to pay for media access. And this is not about the citizens of Maine. This is about a national election. And I think Mainers are going to take note of that and vote accordingly. Well, we'll see what will happen. You know, look, if Susan Collins, if we're
0: able to defeat Susan Collins on the Democratic side, that means the Senate is going to go blue. That's a big effort around the country because, look, Congress right now, the Senate has been a real roadblock to some important work. So trying to win that seat and bring it over into a blue column for Joe Biden so he can get his agenda through. That's a very, very important part of this conversation.
1: Let's move on. A bribe to one is a gift to another. Speaker Sarah Gideon just got a very large infusion of cash. As Senator Collins was deciding whether to vote to confirm Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court, a crowdfunding campaign was launched. And the message to Senator Collins was, if you vote to confirm, we will give the money to your opponent. Collins called that an attempted bribe. She voted to confirm him anyway, and Sarah Gideon actually received almost $4 million this week. Strim, should Sarah have accepted this money? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, look,
0: these are, you know, um, Susan Collins is going to get all kinds of low donors just like she is. She's already raised more money than she's uh Raised in her past races. This is going to be record spending. None of us like all the money in politics, but this is a race that has national significance. So people all over the country are giving to both candidates. Uh, you know, Susan Collins voted the wrong way on Brett Kavanaugh. There's just no way else to explain it. She is pro choice. She claims she is moderate, and yet she puts somebody on the Supreme Court who is neither moderate nor is he pro-choice. He is going to vote to overturn Roe as we have already seen him attempt to do. So, uh, Susan Collins has to recognize the significance of her vote, stand by her vote. She can call it whatever she wants, uh, but in the end, there's a lot of people around the country, not only
1: in Maine, who wanna make sure she doesn't get another term. Well, the other side of that conversation is that, yeah, there's plenty of money piling in from all over the country So why does Sarah Gideon need to take four million dollars from clearly what was described as a if you don't vote this way, we're going to send four million dollars to your opponent? I don't. How do you how else do you describe it It as she was being offered a bribe and she didn't take it, which to me is a sign of political courage and principles and integrity. And I think that's going to matter to voters in the fall. Sarah Gideon made a big mistake taking this money. She didn't need it and it's created an opportunity for this conversation to say, well, what else is for sale in Washington?
0: Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think anybody sees this as a bribe or not a bribe. This is look, these are small donors. These are a lot of people in Maine who are given to Sarah Gideon. They're going to keep giving to Sarah Gideon, you know, look, money in politics. We all like to talk about it. we love to pontificate about it, but in the end people vote for the folks who have their values and who's closer to them. And right now, Susan Collins has changed. She is simply not the same person that she used to be. She used to be an independent voice. Now she's really just become somebody in Trump's camp and people don't like it. They don't want that. They want
1: independent U.S. senators. All right, Strim, let's play Love It, Hate It, or Wake Me Up When It's Over. Each of us mention a topic and then the other just declares whether you love it, hate it, or want me to wake you up when it's over. First up, do it. Senator, President Trump has sent federal troops into a number of American cities to protect federal property and quell demonstrations. What do you say, love it, hate it, or wake me up when it's over? Yeah, no surprise here, I hate
0: it. This is not what should be going on. William Barr testifying in front of Congress this week, uh, just really looking terrible, going into some areas, not into others. This is not the kind of uh, you know, government that we want going in and attacking our First Amendment rights. So on this one, I absolutely hate it. All right, Phil, a new PAC run by Republicans has just dumped a million bucks into Maine to try to defeat Senator Collins for being too pro-Trump. Phil, I know you hate this one, tell us why.
1: Yeah, I I do hate this one. This is just another example of people, you know, bundling money to play the game that no one else can play with that kind of money they're, they're basically telling Maine citizens uh, how to vote. And I, as I said earlier, I think these sources of money are going to become a bigger and bigger conversation in the campaigns. And I think people are going to say, you know what? Susan Collins has served us admirably. No one knows the state of Maine better than Susan Collins. She has the experience, she has the seniority, and I think she's still going to win this race. Okay, Strim. A business in Brunswick refused to allow Trump and a Trumpan event at a bar, but another venue in Old Orchard Beach welcomes them. Now, anti-Trumpers are looking to boycott the Old Orchard Beach establishment, and pro-Trumpers are looking to boycott the other. Strim, love it, hate it, or wake me up when it's
0: over. Ah, uh, you know, wake me up when it's over. This is a whole lot of partisan fun, but you know, why can't we all just get along? Uh, you know, look, everybody has a right to go to whatever bar or restaurant they want to go to. I hope nobody changes their mind. If that was one of their favorite places to go, go back to it again. And look, if you're a Democrat, go to the Republican place and ask them to host you. Most business people I know will host anybody if they're bringing in a, a few customers. So uh, uh, wake me up when that one is over. All right, Phil, another one this week. Janet Mills refused to offer clemency to Brandon Brown. He's an inmate who was convicted of attempted manslaughter. He has served 10 of his 17-year sentence. He sought clemency so he could pursue getting his Ph.D. He's already got his master's and his bachelor's behind bars. Phil, love it,
1: hate it, or wake me when it's over? Well, this is a tough one. Uh, I'm going to lean on uh, wake me up when it's over. It's interesting that in Maine we no longer have a parole board. It's a a clemency decision by the chief executive. In this case, Janet Mills, without rationale behind her decision, said that she wasn't going to Grant Clemency, I'm going to trust that she had uh, valid reasons to do that. So wake me up when it's over. Strim, baseball is back. Well, maybe it isn't. Love it, hate it, or wake me up when it's over.
0: Ah, look at that right there. Love it, baby. Baseball is back. I don't know if I'm going to get three games, or seven games, or 60 games. But right now, my boys, they're winning more than they're losing, so I am loving it. And you know my boys are playing your boys this week. So uh, if they take the series, I'm expecting a nice brew somewhere (laughs) downtown soon. All right, buddy. This week, we got a new segment called Nailed It or Failed It. This uh, segment is going to be where one or the other of us puts the other one on the hot seat and is going to ask a series of yes or no questions predictions. And these are all predictions that you have to predict whether or not they're going to come true in the next week. Not something where you're like predicting two years down the road and nobody will ever remember it. And then next week, when we come back, Schoolzy is going to be the one to tell us whether or not you failed
1: it or failed it. All right, Phil, what do you think? Why do I think I'm going to be the first one on the hot seat between the two of us? Oh, for a fly miss
0: for a fly fisherman, you sure are smart, fly fisherman. That's tough to say, man. I, 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 where where do you come up with that? <laughs> all right, let's do it, Phil. You are on uh, the first episode of Nailed It or Failed It. Uh, all I need from you is a clear yes or no in regard to whether this will happen in the next week, and then a very brief explanation. All right, you ready? Go for it. Yes or no? In the next week, Augusta Republicans will vote to allow the legislature to come back into session.
1: No, because they want a much more clear agenda for that session.
0: All right. Yes or no? In the next week, Susan Collins will vote to restore the $600 unemployment benefit.
1: No. I think the the employers around the country have let it be known in Washington that we can't make it easier and more financially beneficial to stay home than go to work.
0: Oh, you're killing me, not letting me respond to that. Yes or no, in the next week, Congress will pass a new stimulus package that is closer to the House version of three trillion than the Senate version
1: of one trillion. What's gonna happen, not what you want to have happen? One trillion, maybe meet in the middle between the three trillion because I think it's very clear that we cannot keep just throwing money out into the economy and think I, you, you got to give me a yes or no. Is it going to be closer to three or closer to one?
0: So yes or no. Yes. It will be closer to three than one. Yes or no. No. No, no. Closer to one. All right. Yes or no. In the next week, Judith Sheldon will be confirmed to the federal reserve board.
1: Yes. Mm. Even with Collins saying she's going to vote. No. That, well, as you were saying, she hasn't distanced herself from Trump. Here's an example of
0: doing just that. Yeah, I have a feeling that's kind of why she did. Yes or no, in the next week,
1: Joe Biden will announce his VP pick. No, I think he's going to wait until there's much closer to the uh, what would be the traditional Democrat convention time frame. And last but not least, my New York Mets, playing your
0: Red Sox this week. They're going to be playing the final game. Are we going to beat your beloved Red Sox or not?
1: Yes. The Red Sox are uh, like a double-A farm team.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. That's it. You're off the hot seat.
1: We'll see okay. how you do next week. You're, you're up next. The clock has run out. The buzzer is sounding. Okay, let's wrap up with our trivia. Okay, Ethan, as we do each week in honor of Maine's Bicentennial, we're going to ask a Maine political trivia question. Here is last week's question. Maine had four governors in its first two years as a state. Can you name all four and why they kept resigning? That's a tough one. Obviously everyone knows the first governor, William King, but I dare say I didn't know the other three without looking it up. So who were they and why did they resign, Strim? Yeah, well, Governor King, our first governor, as you
0: mentioned, of course, no relation to Angus. He served for about 15 months before he was enlisted by the federal government to negotiate a treaty with Spain. Sounds like a pretty good gig. And then our second governor, William Williamson, who named these people back in those days, uh, served for seven months before he resigned to take a seat in the U.S. Congress. Our third governor, Benjamin Ames, served for about 28 days and abruptly resigned, couldn't quite get a reason as to why. And then with three days left, he handed the keys over to Governor Daniel
1: Rose who served that grand total of three days. And an interesting side note to that, I learned that Governor Rose was not our shortest serving governor. I actually found a couple others that served a single day. If you serve as governor for a day, do they still call
0: you honorable for the rest of your life?
1: I think it depends on how honorable your few hours in the Blaine House were. Plus, I wonder if they still get that pension.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Did they even have a Blaine House back then, I wonder?
1: (laughs) Last week, your trivia question involved some of the shortest terms of the governor's. This week, our question is, which governor of Maine served the longest period? Hmm, now, is that in actual years or in consecutive years? Oh, uh, good point. Actually, both. The answer, next week. Okay, Donald, how'd we do? And you're fake news. You are fake news.
0: All right. Sounds like we were fake news again, my friend.